starting to walk through Hebrews, we're recognizing or seeing that Jesus is greater than. Okay, that whole conversation, Jesus is greater than. And last week, in the la- we looked at chapter 1, we're seeing that Jesus is greater than the angels. And the whole conversation, and, and we can wrestle through that, we can look through that, and we can think about the heavenly realm and the activity of the heavenly realm, and we can kind of go, whoa, that's kind of cool, that's kind of amazing, it's interesting, and yet what he's also identifying, what the writer's identifying is Jesus is greater than that. He is God. He is the creator. He's the one who fashioned that which was made. And he starts to walk through that. And he walks through the Old Testament examples and using them and pointing and saying, this is how Jesus is greater. Well, let's read through verses 1 through 4 of chapter 2. And then we're going to kind of see why that's important from what, we, what took place last week. It says, For this reason we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard, so that we will not drift away. For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding, and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord and was confirmed by those who heard him. At the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. Now, as we get to this passage of scripture, there's something that's going on in Hebrews that you need to understand. Six times in the book of Hebrews, as scholars have talked about this and have looked at this, they would say there are warning passages, where where the writer kind of steps into this place and he warns the reader. He cautions the reader. And as you kind of look at this, of of the warning passages, this might come across as, as one of the more mild or more laid back of those warning passages. But this is one of those warning passages and we're going to walk through it this morning. But before we do that, let's have a word of prayer. And then we jump into it. Let's pray together. Father, I want to say thank you so very, very much for your goodness, your richness, your kindness to us this morning. And Father, even as we have been singing about the awesomeness and amazingness of who you are, and, and God, what you've done for us through Jesus. Father, even as we will look at your word now this morning and we'll, we'll think about the, the, the challenges of the warning that are taking place before us, that, Father, we just ask you would guide our time, build into us the character of Christ, build into us a commitment and a passion to walk with Jesus and, and have our lives shaped and molded after the image of Jesus. Father, guide our time, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look again at verse 1. We're just going to kind of walk through these four verses together. It said, For this reason we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard, so that we will not drift away. So let's first of all start. If you have in your notes, you see some little pieces there. For this reason. That points back. 
Okay? He's pointing back. The writer is pointing back and says, Now listen, I want you to understand. Now, because Jesus is greater than the angels, because Jesus is, the, is God, because Jesus is the creator, because of this very truth, and then he moves on. So when we look at for this reason, he's pointing back and he says, Now, because of the things we've already talked about, we must pay attention all the more to what we've heard. Does anyone ever look at the billboards as they drive by the road? Yes. What are those billboards there for? I didn't hear you. To advertise, right? What are they trying to do? I didn't hear you. Draw your attention. They're trying to get your attention. They're saying, don't look at the road, read me, have an accident, but focus here. Okay? Listen, if you make it through the accident, two miles up on the right is the place you need to stop. If you've ever driven, driven to Florida, I know it's a grueling trip, but you're going to come to this place called South of the Border. Okay, for a hundred miles, you're going to see all these advertisements from Pepe. I think it's Pepe, right? Some of you that have seen it probably know. Pepe this and Pepe that. Uh, my favorite one is that our hotel is air-conditioned. H-E-I-R. So, uh, I, think just, I just think it's funny. But all this, my, when we moved home with my, my, my folks... Jimmy and I, my oldest brother and I, we're coming, we're coming north. Same thing. Not as much coming north. There's more going south. Not as much coming north. But we're driving north. And my whole time my brother is driving this. He goes, I'm never doing this again. And now he's driving down on a regular basis. Never, ever doing this again. But he saw the advertisements. He saw the, saw the stuff. He just, well, by the time we got to south of the border, he said, pull off. We have, to, we have to check this place out. I said, it's not, you don't want to see it. It's not worth seeing. But we stopped. So, pay attention. We have this there. This is like that billboard. He's writing this because you need to understand this. The angels have spoken. The angels have revealed themselves. Billboard, signs, pay attention, be aware, listen, watch, observe, pay attention. We need to pay attention so much more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. You know what's interesting? We watch TV and we see commercials that tell us and remind us about stuff that we need to buy. Who here has a Ford vehicle? If you have a Ford vehicle, raise your hand. Do you need to be reminded about driving a Ford? Or who has a Toyota or, or, or something else? We have these Kias. We have these commercials about cars all the time. Things we know all about. Things that we have researched. But they remind us again and again and again and again and again. Because the day is coming when you're going to buy another car. 
or you're going to buy another widget. And they are reminding you again and again and again and again and again and again and again that when it comes time to buy that car, when it comes time to buy the widget, they want you to remember their name and they want you to remember that their car or their widget is the thing you want and the thing you need. And they remind us again and again and again and again and again so that we don't forget. So that they don't lose market share. In fact, they can increase market share. We live in this world of being reminded, being reminded, being reminded. And he's saying we need to remember because if we don't remember, we will drift. Now, God doesn't put billboards, hang billboards and says, remember Jesus. And he compels us and challenges us to build those things in our lives. And he wants us to build those disciplines and build those routines and he wants us to remember so that we don't drift away. Now, has anyone ever had something that's drifted away from them, kind of been in, in water and doing something in the water, and you maybe have something that floats, and you put it in the water, and you turn around, you do something, and you come back, and it's not where you left it? Has that ever happened to you? That's you know, what's interesting. You go to a lake. You don't think the lake is moving much. You take something, you put it in the water, and you turn around to do something, you come back, and it's not there. It's drifted. Things just drift. And if there's a current, it's going to drift even more. And I would suggest to you that we live in a world that's not static, but rather we live in a world that has a pretty significant current. So things will drift pretty quickly because we have a world that loves to distract us. And we thrive on being distracted, by the way. We crave being distracted. Let's give an example. Things in Ukraine are still going on. How passionately on your focus has it been these last three weeks? When Russia first invaded Ukraine, it was a pretty significant event, a pretty major event, and really captured everyone's attention and captured people's prayer. But life has kept on going. And so this major event is still taking place. Russia is still pummeling the people of Ukraine and pummeling the land of Ukraine and still stepping in and trying to take that which is not theirs. But our awareness and our conscious and our thought process about it has in many ways drifted. Now, we, it's still in the environment of thought. We still hear about it, but it doesn't capture in our focus really the way it did initially. Why? Because we have drifted because now other things are going on. And other things have started to fill its place of importance and urgency. And the same is true with issues of faith. The same is true of issues as we react and we respond to Jesus. 
And he is saying, listen, Jesus is greater. Jesus is superior. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is the maker and fashioner and creator. And we need to pay the attention to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Because if we stop paying attention, if we turn our head for a moment, if we start to allow ourselves to be distracted, we are going to drift away and we need to guard ourselves from that. Now let me ask this question. Over these last couple of years, do you think any drifting has taken place? Yes. Huge. I've been in pastoral ministry for 37 years. I have never experienced a period of drifting in the church like I experienced these past two years. Where people have given themselves permission to step back, to step away, to create space and distance. And in that process... They have drifted. Now what happens is a lot of people say, I'm going to watch church online. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. this I'll, I'll do church from a distance and I'll, and I'll do church kind of not the way I used to. But I, here's part of what I've discovered in some of that journey. Some people have the discipline of life to do that. But most do not. In fact, one of the challenges of Scripture, one of the challenges of Hebrews in chapter 10 is to not forsake, a, I memorize it in King James, but to not forsake the assembling or the gathering of ourselves as some are in the habit of doing, but rather we gather to exhort each other and all the more as we see the day approaching, the day of Jesus' return. Now here's what's interesting about this whole conversation in that text. It precedes another warning passage. It immediately precedes the warning passage of chapter 10. Now, for years, I had that passage used as a club to bang me over my head and to kind of scold me and punish me if I missed a week of church. Okay? That's not the intent. The intent is not to beat us up. The intent is to caution us and to have us recognize and understand the importance of gathering together because it's as we gather together, that's when we are encouraged. That's when we are supported. That's when we come alongside with those of like faith who go... It's been tough out there, but it's great to have people with me who can pray with me, who can support me, who can cheer me on, who can encourage me to move forward on things of faith. And we get together to have our batteries recharged, to have our spirits lifted up so that as we step back out into that world that drains us and wears us down, we can now walk that journey well and stay connected well to our faith in Jesus. But these last two years, we have almost cut that line. And there has been a lot of drifting that has taken place. And as he talks about this, he says, listen, we need to guard ourselves and we need to be really careful that we do not drift because drifting is a really scary thing. And it's a dangerous thing. And he goes on, he says, verse 2, For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding, and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment. It's the first part of the sentence, but just pause there for a second. He says, listen, 
what's going on here is the things that the angels have communicated, the message that the angels gave from God is legally binding. God is using a legal argument. The writer is using a legal argument. He says, listen, he, they have communicated the message of God. It's binding. It's, 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 com- it's compelling. And God is going to hold you accountable for it. And when people transgress the message that was given by the angels and live in disobedience, there's a consequence, there's a punishment. He says, guys, listen, you've got to pay attention. You need to guard yourself from binding, from, from, from drifting. Because the message you heard from Jesus is more significant than the message you've heard from e- angels. And if the message from angels is important, and if the message from angels has a consequence when we disregard and don't listen to it, what do you expect is going to take place when you disregard or wander from the message of God? from the message of Jesus. So he goes on, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This salvation has its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord, i.e. Jesus, and it was confirmed by those who heard him. So if Jesus has given us a message, God holds people accountable to the message that the angels have given, how do you expect to escape the consequences of disregarding the message that Jesus gives? The implication is you're not going to. If you're drifting away and you're disregarding the message of the angels and you're starting to disregard the message of Jesus, how can you expect God to give a wink and a nod and to turn away and not hold you accountable. It's not going to happen. He is going to hold you accountable. And this next part is huge. How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? What does it mean to neglect? When we neglect, we treat things as unimportant. We treat things as not necessary. We don't give it attention. We don't give it focus. We don't pay any attention to what's going on there. We just kind of focus on other things. We get busy doing other stuff, but we just don't give it any time. And that happens when people drift. See, when people drift from the Lord, they stop giving focus and attention to God. They stop making God a priority. They stop making walking with God a priority. They stop making serving God a priority. They stop making living with God in their thought process front and center as unimportant, and they allow God to fall into the backdrop, into the background of their thought process, because God doesn't really need to influence their thinking anymore. And as they go through that process, they're starting to neglect the message that God has given. God is falling into the back backdrop. God is falling into the noise of the background. But he's not front and center. He's not priority. 
and living our lives in a way that honors him, that knows him, that serves him, not a priority. That's neglecting. And what happens, he's saying here, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? You're not going to. There's a consequence. This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken by the Lord, i.e. Jesus, and it was affirmed by or confirmed by those who heard him. Very important to the establishment of the New Testament and and recognizing that which had authority versus that which didn't have authority when people wrote was this whole thing of apostolic authority. Was it connected to an apostolic message? Was it connected to a person who was had ministry and life with Jesus? And with the authors coming back, he's saying, listen. We're talking about a message that was communicated by Jesus. A message that Jesus gave us. But not only was it a message that Jesus gave us, but it's also a message that's been affirmed and validated by the apostles. It's been affirmed and validated from those who stood or sat in his presence, who were taught by him, who were trained by him, who were educated by him, who listened to him teach the crowds, who watched him perform miracles, who watched him raise the dead, who watched him walk on water. This is the message that was affirmed and communicated to us by those who saw and validated and affirmed these things are true these things really happened we saw him raised we saw him die we saw him live we've heard the message it is true how can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation This salvation was communicated to us by Jesus and it is confirmed by those who heard him. Now, overwhelmingly, those who have been listening to the gospel at this point in time are not people who sat at the feet of Jesus. They are not people, these people that are now listening to the gospel are not people who followed behind him and watched the miracles he did. No, they are listening to people that had sat under the feet of Jesus or under the ministry of Jesus. Or they're listening to people that were trained and discipled by people who had sat under the ministry of Jesus. We're already at that stage where second and third generation messengers are taking place. See, the people that have been communicating the message to the people that are listening, the people that are being written to, are people that have already had a second or third generation messenger preach to them. And in fact, the person who's writing the book of Hebrews is a third or second generation individual. They're not a person who has been there under the ministry of Jesus. They are someone who heard about the ministry of Jesus from someone else who was there. Listen, the people who preach the gospel to you, the people who heard the ministry of Jesus, they're the ones who are telling you it is real. They're the ones who are telling you it is true. 
go on, verse 4. At the same time, God also testifies by signs and wonders, various various miracles, and distribution of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. God has said, and God has already validated, that the message that he sends to us through the, through the message of angels is authoritative and powerful, and if we don't listen to that, there's accountability. God then gave us a message from Jesus. That message is also authoritative and powerful, and if you don't pay attention, if you don't listen, there's going to be accountability to that message. On top of that, those that listen to Jesus' ministry affirm it. They validate it. They communicate to you that the message that they've heard from Jesus, the teaching they saw from Jesus, the miracles that they saw Jesus do, they are legit, they are real, they are true. And now he comes back and says, and on top of all of that, God is affirming and God is validating the message that is being proclaimed to you. And God is affirming and God is validating that message in a number of different ways. First of all, God is testifying to that message through signs and wonders. Now this is what's interesting at the beginning part of the the church movement. Jesus was not the only one who performed miracles. After Jesus was raised and after Jesus went to glory, some of the the apostles continued to do various miracles. Individuals were raised from the dead. Individuals were healed. Why? Because as they were going into areas that were unknown, as they went into places where people had not heard the gospel, did not understand the gospel, they went into those various areas and they preached the message of Jesus. And then as people had needs, some people would be healed, some people raised from the dead, demons would be cast out, and that validated and affirmed the message of Jesus that this is something unique, this is something supernatural, you should be paying attention to this because something unique and special is going on here, you should be listening. And then he says, there's also distribution of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. And we live in a context where we are still experiencing that. The Holy Spirit is still giving us gifts and abilities. And again, we read, we read in Ephesians and we read in other areas. But that every person who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in, takes up residence in their lives. And as the Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence in their lives, he gives us a deposit, which is the presence of the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance in Christ. But then the Holy Spirit also gives then every single follower of Jesus at least one spiritual gift. And that spiritual gift is something that we can do uniquely well and uniquely distinct from other people that's empowered by the Holy Spirit and that God uses to do ministry and to touch people's lives in unique and special ways. Now, we, we can tease Connor a little bit about the preaching stuff, but i got to tell you something. The preaching stuff is legit, and the preaching gift comes because God, the Holy Spirit has gifted Connor to preach the Word of God. That's evidence of the Holy Spirit gifting people. I would say the evidence of that is in my life. And you're going to look around yourselves, you're going to see evidence of those things in your lives as well. You're going to see people, it's, it's crazy to me the way God works at times. Where you'll see people's lives touched and blessed 
And, and you see the Holy Spirit at work in other people's lives, and you just see the Holy Spirit working through those people's lives, and how people's lives are just ministered. That's the Holy Spirit. It's not just because they have a crazy natural talent. It's because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. I can't do music like Greg. Or the rest of the guys that come up here. Put me on drums, they're going to be all over the place. Now, I can sing to carry a tune. I can do that all right. But I might be out of place at different times because I can't keep beat well. Joan tells me don't ever dance. (laughs) If I try to do something, I wouldn't even do it. Oh, don't do that. It looks terrible, Andrew. It looks horrible. No rhythm. Okay? God gives people. You read in the Old Testament how individuals were gifted in music to lead worship. We read in the Old Testament how individuals were gifted to build and to create things for the process of worship. See, the Holy Spirit enables us and empowers us and we walk through the various things in the lives of our church and the lives of other people and we, and we see, you know, People come alongside and and they minister and bless other people because the Holy Spirit is working through them with the gifts of helps, the gifts of encouragement, the gifts of generosity, the gifts of faith. All these come from the presence of the Holy Spirit. And those gifts are still being distributed today. And we can look through our church family, we look at people's lives, and we see those gifts manifesting themselves in other people's lives. And that's evidence, that's affirmation, that's confirmation of the message of Jesus. And it's still going on. Now the author, the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, the angels have spoken... And God has identified that that's authoritative. Jesus has spoken. And Jesus is greater than the angels. And as Jesus has spoken and he is greater than the angels, if there's accountability for the angels in what they say, if if we have accountability for the message that the angels give us, then golly Ned, guys, you've got to understand that there's accountability for you when Jesus has spoken. And not only did Jesus speak, not only did the angels speak, but All of these apostles and and these 500 people that saw the ministry of Jesus, they have confirmed and validated that message and that ministry of Jesus all through the beginning early history of the church. And to add the the topper to the the cherry and and the icing on top, God also continues to validate and God also continues to confirm and affirm the message of Jesus, that the message of Jesus is real and true. Don't drift. Because you're talking about the most important message that's ever been communicated. And you're accountable to hear it, to understand it, and to live in light of it. Therefore, guard yourselves that you do not drift. Because this is the most important message that's ever been communicated. And there's accountability connected to the message. Now, as you look in the notes, I wrote here the danger of assumption. 
So let me just kind of walk through. I have three, three, three little statements there. Let me just kind of walk through the three statements. If a person has not embraced the message of Jesus, they are under judgment. You need to understand that. If a person has not embraced the message of Jesus, they are under judgment. We should not be happy about that, by the way. We shouldn't cheer about that. We shouldn't be glad about that. That should grieve our hearts and that should motivate us to share the good news of Jesus with other people. Because there's nobody that we, would, we should desire or hope would spend eternity apart from God. We should be motivated to share the good news of Jesus because everyone needs to hear the good news of Jesus and anyone who disregards or ignores and rejects the message of Jesus, they are under the judgment of God. And that's a terrifying place to be. Because we see the outcome of that in Revelation chapter 20. It says that everyone whose name was not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire forever. It's not a, it's not a glib or a light thing. This is a terrifying truth. Everyone who does not embrace the message of Jesus, they are under judgment. Here's where the warning continues to kick in. If you have drifted, you really may not be in Jesus. Because a real follower of Jesus won't drift. See, here's the problem in the danger of assumption. And this is where the rub really hits. Now, the first song we sang... Well, God's love never failing. And we believe this truth that a person, once they put their faith and trust in Jesus, is always in Jesus. And, and we see that in a number of places. We see that in John chapter 10. Because when Jesus talks about being the good shepherd, and it says, he says, and it says, I hold them in my hand, and my Father also holds them in his hand. And we see the promise of God that he is holding on to us. He says, and no one can pluck them out of my hand. And as I have talked to people about this and taught this at different times, what that means is if the evil one tries to tell us, I pulled you out of God's hand, didn't happen. No one can pluck us out of God's hands. We say to ourselves, I'm going to take myself out of God's hands. I'm going to go do something else. We can't take ourselves out of God's hands. But the real question we need to ask is, am I in God's hands? See, that's the question that really needs to be asked. God will never let go of someone he's grabbed a hold of. And God grabs a hold of us as we place ourselves in his hands through faith in Jesus Christ. But the challenge with drifting and the warning that comes with the area of drifting is this. Are you really in Jesus? Have you really come to that point in your journey where you have put your faith and trust in Jesus? Because true followers of Jesus shouldn't drift. They wouldn't drift. But we have come to a point in many people's minds where we have said to ourselves, oh, I asked Jesus into my life, therefore I know I'm saved, and now therefore I'm going to drift. I'm going to go do something else for a while, and I'm going to treat my relationship with Jesus as something that's unimportant. I'm going to neglect my relationship with Jesus. I'm going to ignore my relationship with Jesus, and I'm going to allow myself to drift away. 
then the warning is that if you're allowing yourself to drift, are you really in Jesus? Or are you lying to yourself? And here's the warning. Be warned. If you have drifted, don't assume you are, you are okay and that you are not under judgment. Be warned. If you have drifted, don't assume you are okay and that you are not under judgment. The first of the warning passages. One of those passages that we need to take seriously. Because the message of Jesus is the message of life. It's the message of hope. It's the message of forgiveness. But if we are treating that message of Jesus in a cavalier, in a casual way, as we, in, in using the language that is here, if we neglect such a great salvation, we need to examine ourselves. We need to say, am I really in Jesus? Have you really come to that point where I put my faith and trust in Jesus? Am I really holding on to Jesus? Or have I just jumped through some cultural, social, emotional hoops, but really haven't put my faith and my trust in Jesus? Because a true follower of Jesus, the implication is that they shouldn't drift and they won't neglect the salvation that's been given them. It is healthy for us to examine ourselves and to challenge ourselves on our faith. Your eternity can depend on it. That's a big deal. It's not a little deal. It's a big deal. And a challenge is that we examine our hearts, we examine our lives to ensure that we indeed are in Christ. And we examine our hearts to make sure that we indeed are not treating our faith as something casual or unimportant but rather we are treating our walk with Jesus as something vital and significant and we're going to make it an important part of our life journey. Now, it's not just about going to church. It's not. Is going to church part of the journey? Yes. But it's about how we choose to align our lives. It's about how we are choosing to establish priorities in our lives. It's about how we choose to establish the values that direct how we live. It's all of that. If you want to distill this down and say you need to go to church or you're not at church, then you haven't understood at all what's going on. Because it's way more than that. It's about asking, am I living in alignment with God and choosing to live my life in a way that honors Him and serves Him? And is that priority in my life? Or is that somewhere down the line? And if it's somewhere down the line, warning bells should go off in your thinking. Warning bells should go off in your mind. Warning bells should go off in your heart. That would cause you and call you to examine who you are and where you are in relationship with Jesus. Let's pray together. 
Father, I want to say thank you again this morning for your richness and your goodness to us. And Father, I thank you as well this morning for the challenge you give us to really examine our lives and to really measure and assess where we are in relationship with you. Are we being flip and casual? Are we neglecting? Or are we making walking with you a priority of life? Father, I'd ask you would guide us and direct us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.